What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. This Haberman Middlecoff segment is brought to you by sleepnumber.com slash ham and simplysafe.com slash ham and DraftKings promo code ham and expressvpn.com slash ham and mybookie.ag promo code ham1. Raheem Mostert tweeted about 15 minutes ago as we just landed in Miami, hearts heavy after the passing of a true legend. Truly can't believe it. Thank you for everything. True inspiration. Hashtag RIP Mamba. So to your point. You're right. I mean, it's going to be a big part of the uh, of the week. We will talk. It's Super Bowl week, so we're going to talk about this. Even though clearly the number one thing on everybody's mind is is Kobe Bryant, uh, and it is crazy. What I was going to say at the beginning of the podcast, but held off just because we wanted to talk about Kobe, was right before you texted me, and the news broke about Kobe. I was I'd been sitting on the couch with my phone away from me, and I was thinking, you know, when I grab my phone, when I when I get up, I'm going to tweet. Niners playing the Super Bowl in a week. Just could it, it's pretty crazy. Um, a week off gives you some reflection time. It felt so weird having the Pro Bowl on today. They were in a really awkward spot. But the 49ers do play in the Super Bowl in now less than a week as you listen to this. We're recording this after kickoff would have already occurred. And um, it's pretty wild, man. It's just you just on that basic level, it's pretty wild that they're in this position given all the questions we had about them coming into the season. Isn't it crazy how the first Super Bowl week, you, you're you super excited. I mean, obviously, if you're from the Bay, like the Niners are in it. And then by later in the week, you're like, well, we still got a week. And it just kind of dies because the, the teams kind of go silent. Uh, there's just not as much going on. You know, the Pro Bowl feels irrelevant. And then now, I mean, if it wasn't for this news, which sucks – it would have been like the number one story. Super Bowl week. It's starting. Miami. It's going to be a zoo. How do they handle it? Everything that's going on. Like, how's Jimmy going to look? Kyle, Andy Reid coming off a bye. It all kind of starts to come back, you know, kind of take shape. And we're recording this on Sunday night. To me, Monday night is when you really feel it, right? When they do the big media night. And the teams come out. And at one point in time, I know the last couple of years, like both teams come out on the same stage while mm-hmm. one's leaving and the other one's coming. Mm-hmm. And usually you have like a 
I would imagine they'll have like Deion Sanders or Chris Rose or something in the middle of like Andy and Kyle. Then they'll grab like Jimmy and Patrick Mahomes. And then all of a sudden it'll be Richard Sherman and Tyreek Hill or Kelsey. And it'll really start to feel like this fucking thing's here. Like this is one of the biggest weeks of the year for sports. I mean, this is their biggest event of the year, right? Most people watch. Yep. And then, and then, like you said, just factoring in, I think many people could have foreseen the Chiefs being here. They were one of the best teams in the league the last year. They were right in the AFC Championship game. They have the reigning MVP. Their team was stacked. We know me, what we think of their coach. To me, to me, the only reason it's a little weird is because their season got a little weird, but it was mainly because it injured on the quarterback. Now, thank God he didn't like hurt his knee that bad. And they're here. The Niners... I mean, it's not like a true Cinderella story because you start watching me like, well, it's not like they're overachievers. I they're mean, stacked. They, got, they got dudes. But we've seen a lot of quote-unquote stacked teams that don't do shit, right? Yeah. It happens all the time in, in the NFL. So it, it, it doesn't happen in the other sports as much. Like if you have Especially the talent, when teams battle injuries like they have. Yeah, they had multiple injuries to key spots. They missed tackles, running backs. Really, the only guy, and this is the argument defending Jimmy, is like he was their one constant really all season, right? What do you think the number one reason the 49ers are in the Super Bowl is? Of all the things they have going for them, like what do you think is the biggest thing? I, I, I'm going to go a little intangible, not like a specific side of the ball, a specific thing they do well. I think all their players, and I, you hear this a lot, you hear this all the time, and, and you. You talk to so many college coaches and interviewing them for games. They're just they're over the top with like we got to build our culture. We yeah. had to. We, the, you ever talk to a strength coach, a new strength coach? Like I don't know what the fuck they were doing before. I don't know. They were lifting weights. The same shit you're gonna do. Shut up. Well, the best thing I say this every year in spring football. Somebody SB Nation like five years ago is like all the quotes you hear at spring football, and one of them is like the new strength and conditioning coach is changing everything. Everyone's in the best shape. Anyway, go find it. It's good. But you're I, right. I but do, it doesn't make that stuff not true. Right? No, well, because it is true. And to me, the thing that's most true is not like, well, he's, he's instituted this, this new squat that you get two inches lower and it led to 17 more sacks, right? Or I think it's more their ultimate message of whatever the coach is preaching. Everyone bought in. And when you all, like, for example, the Browns, I think by about week three, no one took anything Freddie Kitchens said seriously. And I think for Andy, for example, having been around him, I think people always buy into his message. He's an easy guy to buy into. When you look historically like why the Chiefs win or lose, it's usually like one thing in a game or not, right? It's not like, well, they just 12-4 and four this year and they lost in the second round. Like, it's just, yeah, it just happens. It's hard. I think the Niners were just... Everyone's on the same fucking page. They all truly like each other. Remember when Nick Bosa was was signed? I think there were a couple moments this season that just showed, like, they got a pretty high-level team. One, the Bosa-Trump deal, which the media is obsessed with politics. Most people you meet in life, especially when you're talking about sports, politics don't come up. The media, a lot of them are just extreme in one way. They think about it all the time. They like weaving it into what they talk about. Everyone said with Nick Bosa, like, yeah, we don't really care. If we're going to like him, he's going to be fine. If we don't like him, then that would be the problem. I don't give a shit what he tweets. I also think the Tim Ryan thing when that happened, like, when, 
everyone got his back and they all felt like they knew him pretty well and like the prominent players. But but to me, it wasn't necessarily like, yeah, what he said was stupid and wrong, but it was pretty unique to see every... They didn't have one guy that had been like, well, eh, I always thought the guy was kind of a weirdo. You know, just something like, whoa, this is going to be Even, a hard one to shake. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that no one thought it. It just meant that people understood this is not useful to the team if I feel that way to share that opinion. Which I, I think on football teams, more than all the teams, is the hardest to corral. Like, even when you're thinking something, one voice, what, what's the uh, Eddie goes, uh, one team, one heartbeat. But that shit does matter because all, all it takes is one guy, especially like a starter, to say something, and that becomes a huge story. There has been the opposite of that with the Niners. Like, they're actually, thank God they're really good at football because they're kind of a boring team, right? There's not, like, their big personalities like Kendrick Bourne. I mean, Richard's a big personality, but at this, like, he's just Richard Sherman. I, I, I think that they don't, they don't really have any bad seeds. And when I say bad seeds, I don't mean like criminals or anything. I just mean like a guy like, oh my god, this guy talking again. Even one guy, I remember when he said it, I forget what article it was in. Oh, it might have been Ty Dunst, and it was Fred Warner. Right, like saying something about being a Super Bowl team. I remember yeah, this year say- he said yes. I remember him saying something. I was like, I don't know if this guy should be saying. I, that. I remember not only saying like I don't know if he should be saying that, but saying like, is Fred Warner good enough to be talking like this? And it's you like, know, yes, it turns yeah, out he, he's backed it up. He's been fucking a badass. So that, that yeah, that's another thing they have going for him. Like their guys back their sh- shit up. Just like this guy was a first round pick, ass kicker, ass kicker, ass kicker, ass kicker. Yeah, look, Kyle Shanahan coached this team for two years before this year, and they weren't that great. Uh, their personnel has gotten better, duh. But I, I think all that falls to me. The biggest, the biggest reason they where they are is Kyle Shanahan. Not just the evaluator. Obviously, he's not the only one. They built a pretty impressive front office. But the culture, Kyle Shanahan, and the play callers, Kyle Shanahan. Just the head coach, Kyle Shanahan. I think that's the biggest reason they're here. And and you know, look. They, they they got really good. They got incredible defensive personnel. They upgraded there. Jimmy was healthy, all that stuff. But I do think everything you're talking about starts with Kyle Shanahan. Well, I, I guess that the point I was trying to make, it does start with Kyle Shanahan because if that guy isn't respected, like why does it never happen with Belichick, right? Why does no one ever say anything they shouldn't say? Because he has the ultimate respect. The ultimate respect. I think it happens actually a lot with Andy too. Like when, when does a chief, now they may get in something off the field, but when do they have like a huge controversy with a player saying something? It rarely happens because it gets, you, you kind of, Belichick doesn't quite feel like this. Andy much more because there's a human side to him, which I actually think Kyle would be closer to Andy that way in the sense of like his guys just feel like they like him. They know him from a football sense. And maybe Kyle's a little looser, partly he's just younger. But you would never want to do something to piss him off. And we've all been around players long enough. Again, players are just humans. Like, guys know, right? Like Odell knows what he's doing when he does shit. There's not the media, and it's a small segment of the media, but the way 2020 is, everyone tries to make excuses for guys. Like, once you get past like 15, if you didn't fucking grow up in a, in a box by yourself, like, you know what's right and wrong. Right, especially yeah. once you once you play all all the guys in the NFL, they've played college football. So, and the majority of the good ones played at big programs. 
So if you play in Division One football, by the time you get to the NFL, and I would imagine if we looked at the studies, what would you say the percent of, if I just had to guess, like NFL players from Division One football, 94%? Yeah. It's got to be really high. Yep. And I'm, I'm not even talking LSU. I'm talking like Fresno State. Uh, UCF like you, might be higher than that honestly y- yeah honestly the more thinking about it, it might be like 97 percent right because not it's a small percentage of guys coming from FBS and division two is an outlier like there's like one division two guy got drafted yeah you're right I mean it's a high high percentage of guys not power five because Fresno and the smaller schools San Diego State whatever Boise UCF. but those guys if you play at Boise you're getting the same talks as you are at LSU, right? The way to conduct yourself, the way to talk, the way to act in class, the way to treat women. Like, you get it. I saw it at Fresno State 12 years ago, the type talks. The same fucking ones we had when we'd start training camp with, with, uh, with Coach Reed. The same talks from just different people in different communities, but the same messages. So, when you respect the guy, I, do you think this carries over probably in any aspect of life? Like, if you respect the guy that you're answering to, it's much easier to just follow in line. No doubt, and I think, but I think the respect the guys you're talking about it goes hand in hand. Starts for players with, do you make me better? Do I know if I do what you say as the coach, that will put me in the best position to get the most out of myself? Because there's nothing, you know. I think. Failure is usually accompanied by trying to find out why you failed. And the first and easiest thing to do is blame somebody else. My coach didn't use me right. My coach didn't understand. He didn't know how good I was. So the first thing I think players look for is, does my coach understand how good I am? Does my coach understand how to use me? When you say it happens in football the most, too, with schemes, just because like specific schemes are so important for specific individuals? Especially with offensive coaches and skill position guys where there's only one football. So do I trust that when I'm out there running my routes, like you're putting me in the best position to touch the ball one of six times today because I'm not going to – most of the stuff I do is going to come on plays that I might – I don't get the ball. Even if you get the ball ten times a game, you're still – that's a minority number of the plays that get run. Yeah. So I just think that's where it starts with him. Like I, I think they – the reason – I think one of the reasons at least we've gone – all in on feeling like he is just one of the best coaches in the league is his players are all in on not just he's solid, but he knows what's going to happen before it happens. Like, that's what the players say. Now, I didn't say that first. I don't know what he's telling them in the locker room. That's what they say. You're right. That's probably a much bigger element than I'm assuming a lot of stuff about his personality with guys that I don't know. But I do think we can make know, some we of know, those assumptions. We, we know that's a fact, and that to me – with all the bullshit, like how often do you hear like God Parcells was a dick? But I, but, but John, I think but it was part of that. Yeah, but part of what you're saying, I think we can assume a lot of it's true because it's do you coach everybody, right? Do do the players see that you co- that you hold people accountable? Do they see that you preach? Hey, we're about family. We're about doing the right things. But then you also have the right people on either side of them, and a lot you can preach. We're about doing the right thing, but then they see some jerk come into the locker room who's your guy who you don't punish. And everything you said now is invalid. So I think it's all the stuff you said. I think we can assume all that stuff's true. The stuff that Fred Warner was talking about, like we, or the stuff that Emmanuel Sanders was talking about. Remember, we talked about that during the playoff by he went on radio in Denver and was like, this locker room, it's pretty impressive. Just the guys here, everybody's on the same page. I think that's all a reflection of, and John Lynch gets credit and, you know, all the scouts, well, 
except for the ones that talk to Ty Dunn. Uh, uh, but the other guys in the front office, right? Like that's you set the tone, especially when it's not like you're inheriting some other somebody else's program that had already set the tone. That's not what happened. One thing that I do think is fair, and this is probably pretty consistent in the history of sports and definitely any organization, but sports is much more tangible because, like, when I say, did, like, Bill Gates have the most talent around him? You know, it's like, how do you even quantify that? Like, when when Merrill Lynch was getting going, they had the most talented financial well, they, guy. It's just, like, yeah. hard well, It's to like, are you hiring just the best people? From, right, remember Theranos was like, they got people from everywhere. Yeah. High-level engineers. from. It's like, oh, they must be on the right to track. Me, to me, in business, it's not as black and white. Like, in sports, if you have elite talent, like, you have a roster, basketball, baseball, or football, that's loaded. Everyone likes each other, and they believe in whoever the coach is. You're going to be good. Like, when does it ever happen, in, and I college, same thing, if you believe in the coach and you have the talent and everyone's on the same page, like, those teams are just always good. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to win a championship. That's what's made this season kind of cool is, like, how – like, they easily could have, depending on a draw, lost in the second round. It would have been like, well, it's first year is crazy, but it was like, hey, they're on the right direction. It wouldn't have been that nuts. To me, once you get to the playoffs in sports, like, anything's kind of on the table. It's why I've always defend when anyone asks me, like, well, you know, he's just, he's kind of average in the playoffs. Well, hey, guys, Coach Reed's been in 28 playoff games. Check out Sean Payton and Pete Carroll. Like, they, they're, they don't have that many games. There's no one in, in, in the NFL beside Belichick that's even close to his level. Yep. Check out how many games John Harbaugh has. I, I bet John Harbaugh hasn't been in 20. But partly what, that's just, did you, did you watch him? And when you watch, do you think this guy's good enough to win it? I think the answer is clearly yes. John Harbaugh's right. been in 17, for example. 17. What's his right? What's his winning percentage? 10 and 7. You just like people, which is impressive, right? I mean, Andy's 500. Uh, like I was telling you earlier, it's like only one team gets to finish the playoffs with a win. But think about this. Like he started so fast, Harbaugh. Because he's lost now two years in a row in his first game, so he's basically zero and two these last two years. So he was mm. ten and five two and a half years ago. Mm. So you're like, damn. Because to me, I'll give him ten and five is pretty good, right? You just say ten and five. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather be. Would you rather be ten and five with the Super Bowl or fourteen and fourteen without one? It's it's kind of the ten and five with the Super Bowl. Yeah, but once you get to like once Andy gets one, let's say he gets one this year or next year or wherever, and he's like ends his career at twenty and twenty with a Super Bowl. Would you rather be that or Harbaugh when he ends his career at 13 and 14? You know, it's just like, well, right, right. started losing a lot. It shows you it's, it's really, really difficult. And, like, to me, I'm already at the point where I'm still torn. Like, I, I'm not rooting against Andy. I, I'm not necessarily – I don't I think you'll know until the game starts. I think it's your heart. I think your heart of hearts. The game's going to start, and you're going to want Andy Reid to win. And that's fine. Well, I, I think so, too. And I, yeah. but I, but I'm also. And I'll like, understand. I I'm, I kind of want. I don't want Andy Reid to lose. I I do know the how important it is for people that listen, people in our community. Like it would be cool. So I'm not. I'm not going to be not be celebrating if the Niners win because it'll be cool around here. It'll be a big deal. Like that's that's where I'm torn. Like I've already come to grips with like. <laughs> so my prediction is, I think I, during the game you'll want Andy to win. You'll be happy if he does. Two weeks later, you'll be like. I think two weeks after the fact, you'll especially be more appreciative if he's won the Super Bowl. 100%. Here's what I do know. If he's going to lose, which I got no problem with him losing, I don't want it to be something stupid. 
You know, you I want it to look like two great teams played. Somebody had to win. Yeah, yeah you just tip your hat. I, I don't want an Atlanta Falcons moment. I don't want a Pete Carroll pick moment. I don't want a game management time moment. I just well, want that's the last thing I want. I just want if the Niners are going to win, just kick, just beat them and just you know fair and square. The Niners were the better team. It's hard for me. I keep getting back to envision a blowout. Like it's just how do you blow out Patrick? Martin? No, I I, I think this game is. This happens in Super Bowls, but I think it's pretty blowout proof. I'm still. Are, is this still kind of crazy to you that they're favored and not the Niners? The Chiefs. And the Niners um, are the better team. Or do you just get the better quarterback, better offense? It's yeah, kind of shows I. That. I. I uh, it's like defense wins championships, but defense don't get I big think lines in Vegas. <laughs> it's a little crazy. I will say, I've said it before, it's 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 not just the whole thing you just said with the Chiefs. Is that the last two weeks they have been offensively just... How many touchdowns they scored? Put it on right? display. Like yeah. yeah. So... 11. And maybe it's partly what you said, too. And I think you mentioned this on the last pod when we talked about it. Just that the Chiefs coming into the year were the team that people were... Does it kind of still feel like the Niners? If the Niners were the New York Giants coming out of nowhere, not to go – I think it's kind of cheap to go like West Coast, East Coast bias, but I do wonder if they were a team that either had a coach that we're used to seeing there or a quarterback we're used to seeing there or if Nick well, there is if they was, were If they were the Cowboys or the Giants, for sure they would be favored, I think. I think there's an element of that there. So, yeah, I – But I do think like the Niners win the Super Bowl – their their respect level moving forward will just go up quadruple. Like their first, let's say they play, I don't even know who their schedule is, but they do play the AFC East next year. Let's just say they open up with Miami. Now I get that Miami's not going to be that good, but they would immediately be like a 14-point favorite, right? They, they will be treated if they win this game like a superpower next year. Just when you factor in, like then I think the quarterback will be coming back, coach is coming back. Right. They would just be treated like the Patriots or the Chiefs against shitty teams immediately. Like there would be no – you could argue, are they already going to get that? If this game's tight and they lose, it won't, mm-hmm. might not even matter. They'll be viewed as one of the best teams in the league. Like how are they not – how would you say these two teams aren't like the favorites next year? They're going to have most of their guys coming back, right? Unless there's something dramatically happens. But wouldn't you say that, just thinking off the top of your head, these are going to be two of the top three or four favorites coming into the next season? Yeah, I mean, Baltimore, I think, will be back there. Do the Saints end up with – well, I don't I – mean, we'll who knows? I mean, See, I think people will be lukewarm on them. I think the Packers, yeah. it'll be like, you know, he's getting old. Unless, like, Seattle did made a couple big moves, which you never know. Like, damn, Seattle got Odell Beckham and uh, – uh, you know, uh, Mike Evans. Well, do the <laughs> Patriots do something crazy like bring Brady back and kind of sign well, superstars well, that they had? I've, had al- I've already cons- like they're a top five favorite. Hard fuck, you know, unless like unless Brady's not even without yeah. Brady. But what if I told you like they got Philip Rivers or you know I, who knows? Yeah, I know it feels Brady's coming back. I, want, I saw Kraft said we want him back, which. If he wants him back, how does he not get back? He's the decision. Like, we'll pay him more. I don't care. I'll pay him. So I, it feels like Brady will be back. I've kind of come to grips thinking that how is Brady not going to be on the Patriots? Mm-hmm. Now, I've never wavered. Like, if you said Bill could choose, like, I don't think he would be against it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. I don't know. But I don't know if it's really up to him. Um. Andy Reid eighteen and three off a of bye now regular season. So this I don't know what the playoff stat is, but two weeks to prep. I I think um, you know I think Shanahan is uh, 
he doesn't have quite the track record, obviously, that Andy does. But I, I, I think both guys, like you asked me last week, who's going to have the first trick play quarterback? Who's going to have a who's going to throw to the quarterback? I think there's going to be some special stuff in this game. Do you think that's one of the truly great little stat nugs of all time? I really do. I <laughs> like because it comes up every year, and every year we add to it. Wouldn't it be one thing, right? If it was like you know he's been coaching ten years, and he's like eight and two. Well, but you like, ask me, like, what's Kyle's record off a of bye? It doesn't really matter, right? Well, he's only three in. I mean, this so guy's been doing irrelevant. it since 1999. 18 and three. And he didn't take any time off. He just kept on coaching. He went to a team. People forget this. Do you know when he went to the Kansas City Chiefs, they had the number one overall pick? The number one overall pick. And it's, it speaks to Kyle, too. But it the difference was is they started winning immediately. It took Kyle a couple years. You see Jed... I guess talk with some reporters on like Friday afternoon and uh, like all the Bay Area contingent, he must've come out and just like given them one of those little like 20 minute talks. And they asked him like, what was Kyle like in the interview process? He's like, well, he, he tongue in cheek joking around that he said, our roster's really good. And it looks like it's got a chance. We can turn a quick fix. And then he started laughing. He's like, that's not what Kyle said. He just, he said, we sucked. I was thinking, God, that's not a great look for bulky. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's not. What does Jed give a shit though? It's like we're headed to the Super Bowl. But I think sometimes you read about like owners what they're looking for in a hire, and it's like, well, you got to tell them you believe in the quarterback. You got to tell them their roster looks good. I'll give Jed some credit in the sense of like looking back, I was probably pretty honest. What I got to lose? I'm going to get a job sooner or later. I'm just going to tell it like it is. Because remember, one of the talks was like Elway and Kyle. Remember they met. Is there a chance Kyle told Elway some things that were like, you're telling me this, my roster, and it didn't go over as well? Because I had someone DM me during the season. He's like, I'm a diehard Bronco fan. This is when it was clear the Niners were really good. And he's like, I throw up in my mouth sometimes when I think about Kyle Sh- John Elway hired Vance Joseph over Kyle Shanahan. Because remember, one of the things was like, yeah, John's not as interested. Think about that. It's one thing Washington is like the elephant in the room is like, well, they had McVay, they had Kyle, they had LaFleur, like they had the whole group. It's another thing, the Broncos, who needed a coach, Elway, his guy's Mike. Mike, doesn't Shanahan's, doesn't he have a joint there too in Denver? Like the Shanahan's, the kid was growing up like in high school when he was there and winning. He knows the family. And maybe sometimes, and I do in fairness to John, sometimes I think you can be too close to something to really see what is right. But maybe he didn't look at him seriously enough, thinking like, this little kid's going to coach my team. And the irony is he hired a guy that still to this day is one of the worst defensive coordinators in the league, Vance Joseph. I mean, he's a, <laughs> he's a joke. And Kyle is Kyle's not just like one of the young, bright minds. It's clear. like It's like, oh, who's the better offensive mind? You can only even argue like, yeah, Sean Payton or Andy Reid. Like, that's already the conversation. Yeah, It's not just like, hey, you know, it's just there's seven guys. No, it's like, He's already right up with the guys that have had like 38 years career head coaching experience, have these crazy records, crazy offenses like Kyle. And no one even argues it. Like, yeah, he's, he's sweet. Like, that would be one if I was a Bronco fan where I'd be like, uh, what the fuck, John? Oh, I, I can live with your drafting the tackle from uh, Utah that stinks. For whatever reason, he's been a five-year starter. It's like, John, when your draft picks suck, can we just get rid of him? Like, you don't have to hold on forever. You're in control. No one's firing you. But you you pass on Kyle Shanahan? Like, that one's tough to shake. 
And again, the Niners, here's where I don't give Jets. They did luck into it a little. They wanted Josh, who, let's face it, more than likely it's not as good if Josh is the head coach here. Well, the other thing is, the other thing that got kind of lucky is they they hired two coaches before that were so bad, they didn't get like three years of people going, ah, should they or shouldn't they, right? Tom Sula and Chip, what if they had just hired one guy who was not bad, but was not good, and it was it took like three years to figure out that you're moving on from like a, Like a Pat Shermer type, you know? I, was, I, I tried to think of guys, but then I realized all these guys are like two and don't even get three years. Like I was like, Shermer, and then I thought of Steve Wilkes. Like none of these guys get, so maybe it was bound to happen anyway, but. Let's go like a Jason Garrett where you go, but he's a lot better than what you're saying, though, right? Yeah, you still would have had some success. You're right. Cause I you think, know what I'm saying. Like, I think just... you kind of know right away because I think most people defended Kyle. Like, I, I kind of like what I'm seeing. With Shermer, it was like, are we sure? This kind of feels like Cleveland all over again, everybody. You kind of know, right? right. And right. I think you're right. They got lucky where there was no, like, well, let's just give them another year. It's like, Chip. To me, Chip had things going against him beside just the 2-14 and 14 record, which is tied for the worst record in franchise history. It was when you have, when you try to hire a defensive coordinator, because when Chip was hired, it was like, oh, the Niners will give him three or four years. He's coming from Tom Sula. And it was like, Vrabel's like, nah, man, I'm good. To me, things like that happened that actually probably made it easier for Jed to pull the trigger. Like, when does that happen to Kyle? Now, Kyle hasn't attempted to change over much, but it won't, right? Kyle's going to be one of those guys, just like Andy or Belichick, you want to go to. It's why when I get it, and we've talked about this a little before, but Eric Bieniemy and Robert Sala, you're part of a rocket ship. You know, like Mike Kafka. Did you see the Eagles? When I was in Philly, Mike, we drafted Mike Kafka. Right. Not a very good player. Out of the league in like three or four years. You know, a late round pick. He's now been like, he started as like Andy's quality control guy a couple years ago and then just worked his way up the ladder because like Doug got a job, then Nagy moved up. Then Nagy got a job, then Biennemi moved up. And he just took on more and more responsibility. And it's like he is a lock to be the next OC when Biennemi leaves. The yeah. Eagles wanted to hire him. Well, Andy just exonated. Like, you're not allowed Wanted to, to hire him as their OC. Wanted to hire him as their OC. But he's not technically calling play, so Andy could block it. Mm-hmm. And I saw Adam Kaplan wrote, well, it's, he's not just the quarterback coach. He's like their passing game coordinator, technically. He just doesn't have the title. Like, he means a lot to Andy, and Andy didn't want to let him go. And it's one of those, like, I don't know Kafka personally, even though I saw him at the Combine a couple years ago. He's like, I remember you. I think he was just being nice. That if you're him, like, even if maybe you wanted to go, which you weren't going to call plays and you probably get a raise anyway, I think big picture, like, bro, you are in the prime spot. You are prime real estate right there. Yeah. And I think Kyle's just so new and fresh. But w- if you're going to be one of the most dynamic offensive coaches, which he clearly is, how are his? Like, the, is this the last year that Mike McDaniels, yeah, McDaniels and LaFleur, the two kind of underlings, how are they not going places? Well, it feels like one of them will eventually be Robert Sala's OC, right? Yeah. And like the next, like Matt Rule or whoever, you just hire that guy. I, I would know this. If I was Matt Rule, I would have been much more aggressive to get one of those two guys over Joe Brady. I think sometimes you can ride the Joe Brady hype train. Those two guys have been kind of Kyle's right-hand men 
Right. Check check their resume. Like where Kyle goes, he takes those two. I, I wonder if you're Matt Rule, like you've just been paying closer attention to college football. Well, no, you wouldn't even have known. I, this is a. I, I'm not blaming him for hiring Joe Brady. Uh, Joe Brady's way more famous. But this is where like the Rosemans and the people that are in the league, like they're all talking. They know. And Tepper's got too much shit going on. No one with the Panthers would even know. I think these def- these coaches are nuts. Like Ron Rivera, you should have you should have interviewed one of these guys or ch- attempted to hire him. Again, I'm not saying that they're going to work, but they are. Everything I read about their impact and their impact. Remember the clip that I put out a couple days ago was like, yeah, Kittle was. They, they love those guys. Those, they think those guys are little geniuses. I saw Traeger did a segment the other day, like. These two guys don't get enough credit. And I saw Juszczyk, the NFL network, tweeted out, just quoted yeah. it like, yeah, they do. Like, we know. Or like, those guys are little mad geniuses. But you think Schrager will be back for the State of the Nation? Oh, yeah. he's. <laughs> do you notice that Good Morning Football is like kind of a pro-Niner show? Well, yeah, because Schrager is like Niner guy, right? But I also think that Kyle Brandt, like he's been doing some raps. Like, he might, it wouldn't shock me if he's a Niner fan deep down. You know, just lived in L.A. for a while, maybe started liking the Niners. I don't know. They, they just feel like the Niner network, kind of. Maybe since the Niners are cool. Obviously, Schrager knows Kyle from doing sidelines all those years in Washington. Well, Schrager, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I think he got, like, Schrager's tight with McVay. I think he got to kind of know that crew. Just because, again, they're just mid-30s white guy, but just talking about normal shit you would talk to your friend, and they're all kind of the same age. It's what makes the Niners kind of unique. But here's what I'm saying. I guess my point back to the assistants, they still are kind of a year away from everyone. Like, you opened up who's going to get hired for OCs. You didn't really see those guys' names. To me, if this they do this shit another year, how are these two guys the most talked about offensive minds in the league? Yeah. Because it took six months, excuse not six months, six games for Robert Sala to be like, is he going to interview for jobs? We were talking like, are they going to bring him back? Like, think right. how fast that changes when you are the guy calling plays. It can take a little longer if your coach isn't Andy or Belichick for you to kind of be known. Or I think these guys will be talked about all summer if they guy the Super Bowl the media night. If you're listening to Monday, it's, I think it happens Monday night. I bet there'll be a couple articles on them that come out. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.